0: We are UCL, and these are our remarkable stories. Hi, my name is Mitya Svagania. I work in the UCL Student Sport Wellbeing team. In each episode, we have conversations with a UCL guest as they share with us their remarkable stories, experiences, and life lessons. In today's episode, Table has Turned, I'll be interviewing the remarkable stories host for this season, Gia Lalich, about publishing her first book joyful jet. So before we start talking about the book, the first thing I wanted to uh, ask you is finding your true path. And I want to know what your true path was to get you to the moment where you actually decided to write the book.
1: So I think it was an incident where I had so much faith in my higher aspirations that I said no to a job because it wasn't going to give me fulfillment, even though I needed the job. So it was really a few things leading up to that point. One of them was moving to London for the second time. And my family and friends were very reluctant to support me because they thought I was a bit crazy for moving over again and starting my life over again. And then taking that risk and getting to London and it turning out really well And things falling into my lap gave me the faith to not take a job that wasn't going to be fulfilling. And then that led me to just share that message that as long as you stick to your highest aspirations, it's like life rewards you with things that you just don't expect. That was where really the inspiration came from. Because I think I I always had a feeling that was the case. And I had so many experiences that proved that was the case. As the readers will read in the book, there was a whole set of circumstances that kind of lined up for me that really proved that if you just do what you actually feel pulled to do, even if it's not necessarily rational, you will get to either where you want to go or somewhere perhaps better, or you'll get to something that you've been wanting in either case.
0: So it's listening to that inner voice, your gut or whatever it is that people say is listening to that and following that?
1: Yeah. And it's really following your peace and your joy. So the things that give you peace is what you should be following. The things that give you clarity, peace, enthusiasm, just that feeling of a zest for life. As long as you follow that, it becomes very obvious what things are not conducive to that feeling and the more you kind of follow your bliss and follow your peace.
0: And is it right that we all come into the world feeling that way, being that way, but along life happens along the way and we change and we conform and that's why we don't listen to that inner voice. We go off the path.
1: I think so. And I think Mitesh as someone who's got kids, I think if you watch your kids, hmm. you'll notice that they're led by impulse and led by intuition. They're mostly led by a sense of wonder and a curiosity. And I think if you compare the way an adult moves through the world compared to the way a child moves through the world, you'll see that there's completely different drivers. With children, they're either present or they're excited about something in the future. I don't think children necessarily hold on to things and they're much more carefree. And much more determined and fearless to Mm. go for what they want. They don't sit there doubting themselves and they they don't question themselves. They just go headfirst for what they want, Mm. which I think it is possible to maintain that level of fearlessness as long as we don't give into a life that other people have in mind for us. Typical example is like parents and caregivers who obviously want the best for you, but they have an agenda generally about what that looks like for you. And Mm. so many people get lost in that. I myself did as well for a while. But I think the more you're true to yourself and the more you learn to trust yourself, the less you are inclined to follow someone else's path.
0: I saw that picture in the book, which is the child who's trying to get onto the shelf to grab something. And that's a picture of you, right?
1: It's not a picture of me. So the way that picture happened was there was a little part in the book that talks about that picture, about discovering our essence. Mm. And it talks about how one of my best friends in Australia gave me a a birthday card on my 21st birthday saying, this little girl reminded me of you. And then my mum kept it all these years. And when I was at home in Australia, I was like, why do you still have this? And she's like, because if there was one picture that captures your essence, it's this picture of this little girl, just like climbing up and looking for something, not even knowing what she's looking for. And then I wrote that in the book and my editor actually sent me a message while editing the book. And she was like, do you have this picture somewhere? Hmm. And then I got my mom to send it. So that's how the picture made its way in. But okay. everyone thinks it's me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: So your mom always knew that about you because she, she gave that to you, like you said, um, mm-hmm. and kept it. So did she always know that you were this free spirit?
1: always yeah she said when we used to go on camping trips to like in croatia along the beach like along the beach she said that i was always running into other people's tents and should have to go look for me cuz i'd always be like making friends with random people and then even around our neighborhood i would go and visit people that she doesn't know and should have to go out and look for me i was always in the forest by myself now that i think about it i think in my head, this is why I wasn't so open to the conditioning because as a child I spent so much time in my own world and in my own imagination that I think that really carried forward and I think that's why my mum recognised that in me even mm. as a child because I just didn't mind being alone. I didn't mind being away from my parents. I was just very like free to go and explore on my own.
0: And you think everyone's got that in them? I
1: think everyone does. And thinking about it now, I had that opportunity to go and explore and be independent. Some people are probably more curious than others. But I think our main purpose is to evolve. Some people evolve a lot quicker, whereas Some people might stay on the same theme for a while. But I think to be happy, we all need to leave that room for evolution and be open to new things. I definitely see a difference between people who are not very happy and people who are very joyful. The main difference is they're not really evolving to keep up with who they become.
0: Joyful. What made you think of the title?
1: I've always had this very profound respect for life. And I think a way to pay respect to life is to be really happy and in gratitude most of the time Mm. and to just really be happy you're alive. When you adapt that attitude, it's actually possible to cultivate a really, really happy existence and not just like some of the time and not just on Fridays or not just on holidays when you're going somewhere, but really every day, really enjoy your coffee and your toast in the morning and your conversations with your friends and be present and drink it up and let everything you experience build you and give rise to new inspirations and new creativity and new desires we all have that capacity to be so open that we can let life transform us from moment to moment
0: to have that friday feeling every day
1: to have the Friday feeling every day. Yeah, definitely. Even on a Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that.
0: You mentioned that it was part of you, you, you even fell into that little bit where you were conformed a bit and you, may, you might have had to sense check yourself in mm-hmm. your life. How do you, how does that happen? So, how did that happen for you? And what was the experience of you knowing that maybe this isn't you following your path? And then, how did you correct yourself?
1: I think life is really hard on me when I don't live joyfully if I'm not living in alignment with who I am I either get some form of severe anxiety or something happens I think I had flare-ups of anxiety for probably twice or three times Mm. and it was to do with the fact that I wasn't living my truth or doing what I really wanted to do the level of anxiety that I would have was so crippling that it left me completely lifeless and then the minute I switched gears it just would immediately go away. We're Looking back now, it's really crazy that it didn't slowly phase out. It literally just stopped. And you hear about people talking about these like skin rashes and stuff that just literally go away overnight because they've stopped doing what they're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I think it is that whole mind-body connection. The body takes on so much of what we feel psychologically that for me, it's like the minute I'm doing something that I'm not happy with, My body lets me know, like, no, that's not, you you can't go down that path Mm. at all. I feel like life's been pretty hard on me in that way. It doesn't let me get away with not doing what I'm supposed to be doing.
0: It's interesting about the mind-body connection because your body will react if you're not doing, like you said, you're not being true to yourself. And I heard something the other day which said the mind-body, it works both ways. So your gut actually tells you and is trying to tell you something. A lot of people won't listen to it. So whether it's butterflies or anxiety or whatever it is. But sometimes that serves you really well and people should listen to that. Sometimes your gut is trying to tell you something and sometimes Mm -hmm. your mind is trying to tell you something and you need to listen to both because it's a Mm two-way system.
1: It's completely connected. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to this neuroscientist at King's College actually and she was saying that the reason you feel things in your gut first is because your brain doesn't have the capacity to store all of your energy. All of your memories are stored in your nervous system and your nervous system is connected to your gut. So that's where all this memory and ex- rich experience and wisdom is. Yeah. So that's why you feel it in your gut first.
0: Neuroplasticity, is Tara, Dr. Tara. Yeah, she's
1: amazing. I think she's the first person that just married science and the spirituality of it all. There are a few others, but I think she's the first one in London that she's actually working at a university and is making like a real case for all of this stuff and how it's so important to just be mindful of what you're thinking Mm. and that we actually have a choice that our, our brain is not just this impulsive thing that is completely reactive that we actually have a choice and we can apply intention to how our day goes and how our life actually turns out it's really inspiring
0: it's putting the science behind a lot of what people think is mumbo-jumbo, the law of attraction, manifestation. I'm very much a believer, as are you. But Mm. she is putting the science behind it and it's bringing that awareness to this space that people maybe didn't have before because they just didn't want to believe in it.
1: A hundred percent. And I think even what she talks about, it's all of this study, it's all like lip service until you actually apply the principles and see the change. And once that happens your world becomes completely different because you realize that you've got so much more control over your life than you realize. Mm. And I think she's a person as well who was doing it. She was somewhere deep inside, knew that this was the case. I can definitely say for me, even as a teenager, I thought I had superpowers because I would get something into my head that was so unlikely and then it would happen... I liked this idea that my reality was a bit malleable and that I could experiment and make all these things happen. And if I played this certain part, then this would happen. Are you
0: doing using it now?
1: Yeah. I apply all of that every single day. I really can say that the last two years have just been probably like my most blissed out, happy and just every day something's happening, like a confirmation that where I want to get to is happening. There's not a single day where I'm a bit bored or things are stagnant or nothing's happening in this space.
0: Is it something's happening or is your awareness changed and you're seeing it more?
1: Probably, yeah. Everything's a case of perspective, isn't it? You could look at it from a scientific point of view. You can look at it from a spiritual point of view. It doesn't matter. It all amounts to the same thing. And in my book, I talk about when you know what you want, it's like your brain creates a new filter. So things you wouldn't normally recognize around you, you recognize. So, Mm. for example, if you're talking to your colleague and they're talking about being a podcaster or something and you've just written in your vision board that you'd like to host a podcast, when your colleague or whoever's talking about that, that's going to be a lot more of an interesting topic for you because now it's in your awareness. Whereas if you didn't do that work and sit down and go, what would I really like to do? So I think when you create a vision for yourself, you actually recognize things all around you that kind of fit that. Even just from a very logical perspective, it makes perfect sense why people who have visions are a lot more likely to get to what they want as opposed to someone who's just kind of reactive. Mm. And there is always like a balance. I think you need to remain open to life surprising you because you don't always know What's best, but I think it's good to have an idea because mm-hmm. your emotions are pretty good at guiding you to where you should go. It's
0: interesting when you said about Dr. Tara because what I found really fascinating is she was saying the action board is just as important as having this vision board because you've got to put the work in, like you said. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize they think manifestation or law of attraction is thinking and it will happen. But it's a bit more than that, isn't it?
1: Nothing's absolute. Everything's like the middle of something. And I think with the law of attraction, action, of course, is important. But it's got to be inspired action. When you're feeling that joy, when you're feeling that zest for life, that's when you should sit down and do what you want to be doing. So I think if you believe in things will happen for you, I think you're just more likely to get into that inspired space If you believe in the law of attraction, you might take a step back and go, okay, I'm just going to see what happens. And then all of a sudden when you do that, you're like, now's a good time to do it. And even for things that you don't feel like doing that are not fun to do, you'll still get this impulse and be like, yes, now's the time to do it. Let's go do this. It's not fun. It's going to be a grind. It's going to be three hours out of my day, but now's the day. Now's the time. And you do get that when you believe that things will come naturally to you. And I think the main point of my book is that your dreams, all your dreams and all your visions can come true and the journey can be a joyful one.
0: Like you said, the journey is maybe even more important, right?
1: Absolutely. There's this quote, if you know what you want, you're only going to ever get that. But if you kind of remain a bit more open, then you'll end up doing all these different things. And Life does take you on a bit of a wild goose chase just for the fun of it. It gives you more experience. It gives you more dimension. It gives you more depth, more appreciation. If you just don't go straight from one thing to the other. So you are pulled along these pathways in your life. And for me, I find you end up somewhere better than what you anticipated. As much as it's nice to have a vision, it's also good to remain open and just pass on some of that wisdom and be like, I can only see what I can see from this point, but there could be something else that's better that I don't see. There's actually a chapter in the book about how, because we don't see our life like from a bird's eye point of view, Mm. we don't know how it's all going to turn out. And what's important is to just take the next step. And Oprah says this, she's like, just... Think about what your next step is and then what's the next best step and then what's the next best step. And that's really all you need to worry about.
0: That makes sense because my next question, which I think you've answered it, was going to be around who's someone who doesn't think this way. What is the first step for them to make to break that mold or that negative routine? The
1: first thing that I would say is to think about what is the next best step that will be most fulfilling to you that will be most expansive for you I love the word expansive because for me this is a guide if something feels restrictive it's not a path you go down if something feels expansive that's the choice you should make the most obvious example of that is my life in Adelaide in Australia it felt very constricted Obviously, it's not about the place, it's about who I am in the place and whether that place is a good fit for me. And the thought of going to London felt expansive. So just on that, I made the choice that London was the place for me just because it felt like I was going to evolve much better here and there was going to be better opportunities. And the second thing would be to come up with a vision and to really believe that it is going to happen But it happens incrementally and not to think too much about how they're going to get there. It's really important to question why you are where you are and why you're doing what you're doing, because once you kind of unpick that, you realize that you might be doing things for the wrong reasons. And then that might give you a bit of clarity of what you should be doing instead.
0: Hmm. Their book talks about people having their own energy. What does that mean for someone who's not had that concept or doesn't understand that?
1: There's a chapter in the book about assessing how your energy is when you're in certain places or around certain people and that basically gives you an indication of whether a workplace or a relationship is actually good for you. If you consistently find that you're walking away from a certain interaction, for example, from your job and feeling quite low energy specifically. And this is very kind of visceral. You just feel like you've got less energy. You know you've just overburdened your body with something it doesn't like. You can really feel it in your body that it's feeling drained I think that kind of gives you an indication of whether this situation is actually a good one for you and maybe a chance to think about whether it's the way you're perceiving this situation or if this person is not actually a fit for you. I think energy is one of those things that once you start to pay attention, you become very good at deciphering if you're with a group of people, whether they're the right people for you. And also the other way around, when you're around people that really inspire you and give you new ideas, and again, make you feel expansive, you can really recognize that. And you can say to yourself, I'm going to be intentional about spending more time with people like this.
0: There's definitely people in everyone's lives who give more energy. And there's people who take energy. There's givers and there's takers.
1: Definitely. It's the difference between for me, I want my life to be an amazing adventure every day. So my tolerance for draining conversations is pretty low. So for me, obviously, my family is amazing, and these are the only people who, who I'll compensation for. Obviously, I'm not 100% of the time, but if I'm meeting new people that I'm finding it's draining, then it's become a non-negotiable not to be around people like that and not because there's any absolutely anything wrong with the way they're living. It's just for me to be on this 100% level 95% of the time, I have to be around people who are around that same energy level. You have to be very mindful of who you're giving your energy to and whether that's absolutely necessary or whether it's something that you can avoid.
0: Yeah. Is energy the same as frequency when people say that I want people on my same frequency? Is that the same thing?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I think in my book what I try to do is steer clear of things like, I think I mention law of attraction, Mm. but I also give it kind of the physical aspect of it. I realise that not everyone is. I think it's still a noble idea and I think some people like myself and you are really on board because I think I've seen this work in my own life. So I'm really on board with that, but not everyone's going to be. But yeah, it is effectively, I think we're all, it's like a really, this is maybe like a a way of explaining it, but we're like a radio station. So if you're on a certain frequency, you're not going to hear frequencies that are not that frequency. And there's no, I guess, what I'm trying to say is that there's no bad frequency or good frequency. It's just the frequency that you choose for yourself. You want to make sure that the frequency you choose for yourself, every like people that you engage with are on that frequency and that energy level, like I was speaking about before. Otherwise, you're going to end up, yeah, you're going to end up like feeding off each other. And that's what happens. We're all so interdependent like that. Mm. We, all of our energies really affect each other. And especially when you're a very open person, then... You're kind, it's very easy to, I mean, Mitash, you've known me for a long time. Like if something affects me, I'll literally start crying immediately. I think most people know this on some level because it's easy to forget. Life just pulls your way and we're so obsessed with what's happening externally or we're so swayed by that and rightfully so that we forget to check in and see what's happening internally and why we're feeling certain ways with people, with situations and things like that.
0: Do you think it's harder now than any other time in the past because of the amount of information that's coming to us, media, the influences you said about parents, friends and peers, society...
1: The world is becoming more and more extreme in both senses so it's becoming harder but at the same time it's becoming easier than ever the fact that we live in the information age and we've got social media i don't see social media as something that's bombarding me with standards that i can't meet i see it as a platform and as an opportunity for me to be free and for me to broadcast what i want out to the world 50 years ago, you would be watching the television and you'd be fed by the news and what's happening externally. I choose to every day wake up to someone telling me inspiring stories or someone telling me that something was impossible and then it became possible. So you actually have this opportunity to feed yourself whatever you want. And on top of that, every skill that I've learned through YouTube I learned how to like edit videos and record and went around filming things. And it was all through YouTube. So I think we're freer than ever to just make life whatever we want it to be. If you just take it as a tool and tailor it to your own needs and let it like inspire you and use it as a platform, then I think it's the most amazing time to be alive.
0: There's a chapter in the book about self-worth, which is huge, I think, um, a lot of people because particularly now with the way things are in terms of like the cost of living things becoming really hard careers becoming maybe more difficult how does someone start to instill self-worth
1: if you find yourself feeling not as confident as you feel like you need to be it's probably because you're breaking promises to yourself it's because you're not honoring what you know you should be doing and So the first step to building that self-worth and confidence is actually keeping that promise to yourself. So if you've said you're going to do something, follow through with that. And really, these promises that you make about looking after yourself is going to be beneficial to everyone else because you're going to be more energised, you're going to be more equipped to be better in the company of others, to be able to help others. And ultimately, there's no affirmation in the world that will make you develop confidence. The quickest way to develop self-worth and self-confidence is to go into the deep end and do something super uncomfortable and keep doing it. Because first of all, that will completely take you out of your mind. And secondly, when you push yourself past your own limits, There is a self-respect that you develop for yourself. Because you've put yourself out there and it's this daunting process, you will not let yourself be walked over by people and by life because you've developed that self-respect.
0: Yeah, it's very true. Next question I had, section four in the book is my favourite, which is about intuition. Now You said follow your feet, which is basically just get out and start walking and see where that Mm -hmm. takes you. Yeah. Where did that come from?
1: I've been doing it since I was five probably. A lot of the chapters in my book literally just came to me one day and that one was one of them. And then one day I basically did, I was like, I'm going to actually do this today. I'm just going to follow my feet. And then I ended up discovering these things that I wanted to discover. It's just this very kind of interesting thing where your body knows what it's doing without you having to interfere and just letting that kind of instinct lead you somewhere. I've done it so many times and it's led me to some crazy people and crazy places. Sometimes it's good not to calculate and just let your kind of intuitive or what I call in the book, like the wild side of you, the childlike Mm -hmm. side of you, just follow that curiosity and see where it takes you. Go with the flow. Definitely go with the flow. It's really interesting because when my brother had my nephew, he was about, I think he was like nearly a year old and I took him out for a walk and he would just keep pointing to the end of the street and I was like, he's literally me because that's why I, even as an adult, I go to the end of a street and I'm like, what's around the corner? And you always discover something. I was recently on a trip to Paris on my own and I cannot tell you how many little gems I discovered in Paris by doing that. Like my friend who's lived there for 10 years is like, what are these places? And it was that. I was literally like, what's around this corner? And discovered these little courtyards that are so tucked away and out of the way. And also just met people as well. I feel like if I had a map and I was like, go this way, go here, go there, it just would not have been nearly as rich of an experience. So yeah, I think that's, if this is not something you do, then a good place to start is if you're on your own in a really great city, then just explore and without any plans or anything like that, don't book in museums, don't just explore and it really, you just, it's crazy where you end up.
0: So be curious, like you said.
1: Be curious and just be open and just follow your body. Mm. Like it really does know what it's doing.
0: Why do people find that so uncomfortable though? There's
1: this feeling of playing is luxury. And enjoying life is luxury. You should be like always doing something and constructive and productive and using your time. Yeah. And it seems like a huge waste of time to just let yourself off the hook of all of those things and be free. But actually what I would argue is that following your intuition and kind of letting this inner voice have some sort of influence over what you're doing is actually a lot more productive than having your mind leading you. And it's an intention that I make every day for myself. I have this thing of my mind's taking a backseat today. The brain is literally there to make you survive and reproduce. So every message you get from the brain is going to be to do with either one of those things. It's not really there to make you enjoy life. But we also have this other side, which is the ability for imagination and creativity. So there's also this huge part of us that needs to be fulfilled as well which has nothing to do with that side of the brain, which is like just survive and reproduce. And that's why I'm like in the book it says treat this part of the brain as a paranoid friend at the very best, like a destructive thing at its worst because it is going to stop you. Your brain is going to swoop in and be like, you can't do that. You can't do this. You're not capable. If you practice just going, thank you very much, but I'm going to do this anyway, and you do that a number of times and you don't die. Suddenly it's like that voice. It'll still be there, but you're just like, yep, yeah, thank you very much. Like, we've been here before.
0: Mm.
1: We, we, You said this was going to happen before and I'm fine. And it's so liberating.
0: Is that the ego?
1: Yeah, I would say it is. And the ego obviously has a place, but it's not conducive to evolution or self-growth or happiness or making life like a happy journey. That's not what it's there for. And so it's good to kind of take it with a pinch of salt. And there's also like a chapter in the book where I'm like, notice how you're speaking to yourself. Because if you're at a certain point in your life and you're not enjoying it, just notice what you're saying to yourself. I think when you kind of adapt these principles and you start talking and meeting people, you realise how much people's stories is just a very direct reflection of their life. And you realize that it's not the circumstances, it's the way you're constantly talking to yourself. And there's this thing where people are like, once I reach this, I'll be happy. And once I reach that, I'll be happy. But if you've not trained yourself to be happy in this moment, you'll get to that eventually and you won't be happy. Mm. Happiness is a muscle, I think, or joy or peace it's kind of like you have to train that Mm. in yourself and you have to know how to be present and joyful now so that you can actually enjoy when you get those other things it's
0: like you said but everyone came when they were young playful fun that's what they wanted when they were kids Of going back to where we started with being a child who comes into this world that's all it is isn't it that's what you want is to have fun and play and
1: a hundred percent they did this study on people on their deathbed and some people not on their deathbed but they've had this like very close brush with death or something and they just all came out being like wow it's just so simple Mm. and I think to an extent however you came in that was your purest form that's the thing that should be driving you
0: and this book is going to help you get there
1: My intention for the book was that it got past your logic a little bit and it made the reader feel something because I think logic can be blocked by your thoughts in the brain and can be overridden by your already established doubts, whereas if you read something or if you listen to a piece of music that makes you feel things and that bypasses that logic and those doubts and once you get that feeling then that kind of gives hopefully more inspiring ideas and, again, more expansive ideas. And that's what I hope the book will do. People just need so much validation for what they already know inside themselves. And I'm hoping that the book will give people a permission slip. But like I said in the book, I wrote it as a reminder to me. When I forget things, then I can go back and go, remember what you said here, that's worked for you, so use it again. Because I think that is a thing. One bad day and well, you get thrown off.
0: I loved it. How does everyone get this permission slip? Joyful journey.
1: The book's going to be launched on Amazon on the 12th. Launched for sale, that is. So there's going to be a paperback and an e-book on the 12th of November. So if anyone's interested in reading the book, I'm going to leave my email address. So just contact me directly and I'll send you a PDF version. So that you can have a little read.
0: Nice. Cool. Okay. Directional journey, okay. why geo knowledge?